The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that flips through the pages of history to deliver old news in a new way. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're talking about the long, prestigious history of the Saturday Evening Post, an American literary institution that's still going strong after more than 200 years. The day was August 4th, 1821. The Saturday Evening Post published its inaugural issue. It was produced by Samuel Atkinson, the owner of a Philadelphia print shop, and by his partner, Charles Alexander, a local writer. Now considered America's oldest magazine, the Post began life as a weekly broadsheet newspaper. Organized into five densely packed columns spread across four oversized pages, the paper contained local and national news, as well as brief articles by the editor, and a selection of short stories and poems. Although it later became known for its evocative cover illustrations, particularly those by Norman Rockwell, the Saturday Evening Post originally lacked illustrations of any kind. Nonetheless, it provided a weekly dose of light reading for subscribers, keeping them informed and helping them unwind in the era before Sunday newspapers. 
In the summer of 1821, Samuel Atkinson became the sole proprietor of a print shop that had once belonged to Benjamin Franklin. His business partner, David Hall Jr., had just passed away, and Atkinson was unsure how to proceed without him. For the last five years, they had published a newspaper together called the Pennsylvania Gazette, the same one that Ben Franklin helped get off the ground a century earlier. But with his partner gone, Atkinson wondered if it might be better to close down the long-running Gazette and try something new. The push he needed came from a friend and collaborator named Charles Alexander. He approached Atkinson about publishing a popular poem about a blind woman in Philadelphia who set type by hand. Much to the printer's surprise, Alexander found 200 subscribers for that poem. That response convinced the men to join forces and start a new literary publication all their own. Subscribers would receive a new installment each Saturday, all for the low cost of $2 to $3 per year, depending on whether or not you paid in advance. Atkinson and Alexander chose to publish on Saturdays for two reasons. First, it would give them the whole week to prepare the next issue's content, and second, it would allow the paper to reach readers on the weekend when they had the most free time. Back then, U.S. mail was delivered twice a day, once in the morning and again in the evening. The publishers planned to have each issue printed in time for the second mail delivery on Saturdays, and it's from that schedule that the magazine got its name, the Saturday Evening Post. Although it was an entirely new venture, the Post still owed a great deal to the past. Not only was the paper printed on Ben Franklin's original press, it was also written in his same matter-of-fact style, slightly skeptical and high-minded, but always with a dash of humor. They may have cribbed from the past when it came to tone, but the Post's young publishers were eager to make the paper appealing to readers from all walks of life and from places outside of Philadelphia. To that end, they included stories on just about everything, from business and foreign affairs to fashion and etiquette. The poetry that helped launch the paper remained a fixture as well, with much of it contributed by readers who hoped to see their own names in print. The Post steered clear of political controversies to avoid ruffling feathers, but it did include more innocuous political content, such as letters exchanged between former presidents John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. With that variety of content, you might assume the Saturday Evening Post had a sizable staff, but that wasn't the case. Instead, the Post reprinted much of its content from other newspapers. That was a common practice at the time, and it still is today, with multiple publications running the same story in different regions and markets. The Post included new writing as well, some of which was no doubt reused by other papers. That free sharing of content sometimes gave bizarre local interest stories a much larger platform than they may have warranted. For instance, consider this not-so-newsworthy story that the Saturday Evening Post picked up from a Connecticut newspaper. It reads, quote, There is now residing in Stafford a man by the name of Nolan, who is at present married to his 26th wife, and has, by the whole, 73 children. He is 105 years of age, and his present wife is now pregnant. That silly and somewhat disturbing story has been making the rounds in various sources since the 1820s, and I'm proud to carry on that tradition today. 
In all fairness though, the content of the post steadily improved as the paper grew. Before long, it featured plenty of high-quality writing, including the works of beloved American authors such as Edgar Allan Poe, Washington Irving, Harriet Beecher Stowe, and Mark Twain. Those new voices helped increase the magazine's circulation to about 90,000 readers in the 1850s and 60s. Unfortunately, the Saturday Evening Post lost its luster by the late 1800s, when it started to lean too heavily on trivia, fashion news, and reprinted articles. With no fresh enticing content to keep subscribers invested, the Post's circulation dwindled to just over 2,000 readers by the late 1890s. Ownership of the paper had changed hands several times by then, and at the turn of the 20th century, it was Cyrus Curtis's turn at the helm. Curtis was the founder of Ladies' Home Journal, which was the first American magazine to reach a circulation of one million readers. He hoped to work that same magic on the Post by revamping both its content and its style. He started by doing away with a reliance on reprinted content, and by commissioning full-color illustrations for every issue's cover. Within a year, that new direction had boosted the Saturday Evening Post to 250,000 subscribers. Eight years later, in 1908, Curtis reached his goal of one million readers, a well-earned payoff considering the publisher had already invested more than $1.2 million in the Post. George Lorimer was another person key to the success of the magazine's relaunch. As editor, he strived to find the best writers of the day and made sure to pay them promptly as a way to foster loyalty. This approach attracted a whole new crop of talented authors, including Jack London, Joseph Conrad, and O. Henry. Lorimer was also responsible for selecting many of the Post's iconic covers. He featured many famous artists during his 37-year tenure, such as Andrew Wyeth, George Hughes, and J.C. Leindecker. However, the Post's most famous cover artist by far was Norman Rockwell. He did his first cover for the magazine in 1916, and over the course of the next five decades, he went on to produce a total of 321 covers, leaving an indelible impression on generations of readers. With Curtis and Lorimer leading the way, the Saturday Evening Post continued to grow its circulation throughout the first half of the 20th century. The magazine peaked in the early 1960s with about 7 million readers, but thanks to the rise of television and a crop of new competing magazines, the Post's readership had cratered by the end of the decade. The magazine closed up shop in 1969, but was revived just two years later although now as a quarterly publication. The Saturday Evening Post had been saved again, but its two-year lapse in publication had cost it the title of America's oldest continuously published magazine. That honor now belongs to Scientific American, which was founded in 1845. Its glory days may be behind it, but the Saturday Evening Post still lives on. It continues to be published on a bi-monthly basis by a non-profit group dedicated to keeping this historic institution alive. The current iteration of the magazine features a similar blend of news, articles, works of fiction, and humorous illustrations. The dedicated staff has also created an online archive of the magazine's full existing backlog. 
So, if you're jonesing for more weird, old-timey content like that report about the 105-year-old father-to-be, well, the Saturday Evening Post has still got you covered. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.